0: only place that we can fulfill that and right now i just pray this morning as we look at your word your precious word that you will lead us and guide us open our hearts open our minds to what you want us to hear and see once again we thank you so much for the grace and the mercy that you extend to us on a daily basis even when we fail even when we we fall short you are always there and you are always doing things in our lives and um we are thankful for that. Once again, we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> well, um, if you have your Bibles, um, i like to turn to Romans. Romans chapter 7. We're, we're picking up right where we left off last week. Um, we are going to uh, go right into verse 14 and um, continue through the end of the chapter. So... Um, Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14 all the way through 25, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want... I agree with the law that it is good. So, now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but not the ability to carry it out. For what I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. that dwells in my members wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death thanks be god to god through jesus christ our lord so then i myself serve the law of god with my mind but with my flesh i serve the law of sin let me pray one more time father god your your word is precious and it is perfect just as Matt, or uh, as, as uh, it was spoken earlier. And uh, we just, right now, um, ask that your Holy Spirit reveal to us what you are to reveal to us this morning. Um, once again, we, we have finite minds and are limited, but we know that your Holy Spirit can reveal things to us. And so we just ask for your wisdom and ask that you lead us and guide us through this passage. Once again, we thank you so much. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? <laughs> this passage is a, a very interesting passage. It's a somewhat difficult passage to understand if you just take it at face value and run through it. There's a lot of eyes in there. I think uh, I counted over 20 some eyes that uh, Paul is talking about here. There's a lot here. It's almost like a, a Mount Everest. I think I had almost 20 pages, 18, 20 pages of raw notes on here. So get ready for a sermon in about three hours. I'm, 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 I'm just joking. Uh, I have kind of slimmed it down a little bit and, and just was really, really praying and asking the Lord to show me what, what, what really spoke to me the most so I can... Talk to you guys about it, and uh, and so this is this is kind of where we're at, um, and uh, we're just going to kind of go through it. I'm going to I'm kind of kind of do a running commentary on it, and um, we'll we're just we'll we're just make some observations along the way. Um, but you know, uh, Peter even said about Paul that it's at times hard for you to understand <laughs> when Paul is writing these things, and um, this is probably one of the the more uh, one of the more complicated things in Romans to, to, to talk through. So um, with, the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will uh, hopefully have some understanding here. So um, before we begin, I just want to kind of set the tone and let's, let's take a look at what's going on here. So um, it's not just what's being described, but who is describing it here. And this is Paul speaking. I believe he is speaking as a mature believer. And there's some debate on this. But um, a couple of the things that I would, I would press in on that is that um, we see earlier, last week's um, passage, he was talking the past, pre- past tense, right? He was talking about how he was under, under the law and, 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 and how um, he, uh, he, he you know, shall not covet." and he figured all this stuff out, and it was all past tense. And then coming into 14, 14 on. It's all presence tense. And so it is, he is talking about it in his current life, if you will. Current life as a believer, as somebody that has trusted in the Lord, has put their trust in Jesus, and is now in full, full faith in him. And so, and not only is he a, a believer here, but he is a mature believer. He's, this is 20-plus this is years of him following Jesus as he writes this. And so... Um, we, we see this this playing out also um, the other, the other couple things that i would I would press towards him being a believer as he writes this passage is only a believer has a deep love for god 's word and a deep hatred for personal sin and we see in verse 22 um, the fact that he has a, a deep love for I delight in the law of God of um, God he has a delight, he has a great love for God's word and yet he has a deep hatred for his own personal sin as we see in verse 24, wretched man that I am and then in verse 25 he gives thanks to God for his deliverance and only a believer, only a believer will do that because only Jesus can deliver us from these things um The other thing to keep in mind here, what is being described is absolutely a part of the Christian life. But it is not the whole or the totalitarianism of the Christian life. So we have to keep that in mind as well. What what Paul talks about here in verse 7, absolutely. It is part of the Christian life. We're going to struggle at times. We're going to have conflict with our own sin but it is not the the only part of the christian life and we have to keep that in mind we have to take romans as a whole especially verse or chapter six and verse or chapter eight as we come into into chapter eight next week um and so we have to keep that at the full view of our christian life if we only look at chapter seven we're going to be very very depressed and once again, it is a reality, it's a reality of the Christian life, but it's part of the Christian life, not the whole of the Christian life. And so we have to get that in our heads, this is vital for us to remember that, and, and once again, I want to set that tone as we go into this, this is reality, but it is, it is not it's part of the reality of the Christian life, it's not the whole of the Christian life. Does that make sense? I hope so. <laughs> so as we start in, in, in verse fourteen, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. So so Paul right here starts talking about the fact is there's a problem. And it's not the law. For we know the law is spiritual. We've seen up here last week that the law is actually good, right? What's the law good for? Well, it doesn't save us, but it's a diagnosis tool. It actually shows us what sin is, right? It's kind of like if you would... um, How many of you guys have cars? How many of you ever had a a check engine light come on in a car? How many of you ever just ignore the check engine light. (laughs) Yeah, I have. You know, I I liken the check engine light of a car to, like, our conscience, right? There's something there, right? Oh, there's something bugging us. But you know what? We can can kind of ignore it at times. But if we really want to check our conscience out, to truly know where it is with God, i.e., take it to the mechanic and put it on a diagnosis machine and find out that I mean, your engine's about ready to blow up you better do something about it it's the same way with the law right the law of God shows us it actually gives us a diagnosis for our life and 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 so we see that in, in even in, in 13 in the order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure it, it it shows us uh, earlier in Romans. It, it talks about how sin actually shows us. It's almost like a mirror, right? That that shows us how bad we off we are. So the problem is not with with the law. The law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I'm a, of the flesh. What does that mean? It, it's in the pre, once again in the present tense. Of the flesh. Notice it doesn't say in the flesh. And you may be like, well, that's splitting hairs, isn't it? No, not necessarily. In the flesh would mean I'm under the dictatorship of sin, that I'm actually a slave of sin. And we've seen earlier, right, in Paul's writings that we're no longer slaves of sin if we have put our trust in Jesus. So that's not what he's saying here. We're no longer under the dictatorship of sin, or a slave to sin, but of the flesh. We're in the presence of sin. My body is sold under sin. It's not in sin. But as we live this world, in this world, we are going to have the repercussions of sin. And one of those is my own body. Why do I decay? Why do I get gray hair? Why do I have to wear glasses? Why are those effects still on me? It is the effects of sin still affecting my body. And just as those effects are happening, so sin is still in the, I'm still in the presence of sin. Are you following me? And this, I believe, is what Paul is talking about. And we still have to deal with those effects. So, my flesh or the the old man versus my new nature in Christ. And we're gonna continue here in in chapter seven. We're gonna see as Paul talks about this that it, it brings it actually brings a struggle or a conflict into our lives. Because we're still struggling against this sin. That we have to deal with on a daily basis. That's even in my own body. Sin sucks. I I have no other profound statement other than that. Sin sucks, and we still have to deal with it on a daily basis. The struggle itself, though, doesn't mean that we're lost. And some people feel like if you're struggling against sin, man, I'm, I'm just totally, totally lost, I'm, I'm, I'm totally uh, broken. On the contrary, if you're having a struggle with sin, it means that we are actually saved. And we see this where Paul, Paul is having a constant, a regular, concerted struggle against his own sin against his own flesh against the things that he hates the struggle is one of an eternal struggle once again my, my old nature the old man my sinful nature the flesh versus my new nature who I am in Christ the new reality and it is the reality that we are in Christ sometimes we we don't feel like we are a new creation in Christ because of this struggle but feelings can lie especially when they're under influence of sin and so it's paramount for us to understand who we are in Christ as we look at this passage as well If you have put your trust in Jesus, you are a new creation. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to godliness and righteousness. And Jesus loves you. And you are his. And nothing, nothing will take that away from you. And so it's paramount that we understand that as well as we look at this scripture. So as Paul goes on, verse 15, in this conflict against sin, in this struggle against sin, it is a mystery. It's a mystery. And Paul is mystified here. 14, 15. For I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. It's a mystery. Why? And you can just hear, uh, as I read this, I, c- I can just imagine Paul's frustration in his voice as he's, as, he's, as he's writing this down, right? The frustration is, I'm a new creation in Christ. Why am I still sinning? Why am I still doing this, This, this what I hate? And so, therefore, there is a, there is a mystery in this and he is he is he's he just and one thing i love about this passage is even though it's sometimes hard to understand this is paul being very transparent and this is paul being very personal with the church here that he has not even met and he's sharing he's he's basically opening himself up and saying this is who i am and so he is as he's teaching this as he's sharing this doctrine, he is also saying there's, there's things I don't understand in this. There is a mystery in why I still sin. I don't understand it. don't understand my own actions. Anybody ever been there? I know I have. Even this week. <laughs> right? <laughs> There, there, there's a total contradiction. The, the second part of 15 here. The mystery, for I do not understand my own actions. And then there's a contradiction. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I don't want to do it, but yet I do it. We... we do what we hate and we hate what we love Paul you, you, can just, you can just hear the frustration here I'm doing these things that I, I hate that I, I claim I hate that I, I know I hate and yet I keep doing them He goes on in 16, Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. And it's interesting that he brings the law back into this, right? You know, we are no longer under the law. Um, we, uh, we just kind of assume sometimes that the law is to show how bad we are, and then, you know, we get saved, and then it's just kind of like, eh. But the law actually is showing us here that sin is no longer our master but it still resides with us does that make sense so how do i know that that sin is still stirring in me at times how do i know that it still resides it's it's still in the car that i'm driving right in this life we we if we use the car as a metaphor, this, this life that I'm driving down the road in, sin is still in the back seat with me at times. Sometimes it's in the front seat, it seems like. The law, the diagnosis, if you will, the check engine light comes on and, and we, we start diagnosing things and we're like, oh my goodness. Where did that come from? It's, it's because sin is still with us. It, it's still residing with us. And in, in this world... As long as we live in this fallen world, we're still going to have to reside in, with sin around us and, and within us at times. And the law reveals that. And it is good because it allows us to go back to Jesus and say, I need you. 17, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Sin is a indwelling force, if you will. It is no longer, if we use the metaphor of driving a car, it it no longer is a slave of my car. It's no longer dictating where I go in my car. It's no longer driving the car, but it's still there. And it is it is in this in this body of mine, if you will, we have a new life in Christ. We and yet sin still resides with us, and that's something that will never go away as long as we're here in this fallen world. But the good news is, once again, if we go back in Romans. Sin is no longer my master. I am no longer a slave to sin. However, it can be very, very powerful, and we're going to look at that here in the, in the next couple of chap- or next couple of verses, but um, it's, I've, I've heard, uh, once again, I keep using the car metaphor, but um, I've heard stories over and over again, somebody driving a car with their GPS, back in the day, the Garmins. everybody now has pretty much either their phones or onboard computers in their vehicles. But, uh, back in the day when the garments first came out, I, I literally remember hearing stories of people being so in tune with their garments that they don't pay attention to their surroundings and, 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 and people would drive into lakes because the garment says, turn right here, and they turn into a lake. Or one case of a guy turning into a cemetery and, and running over a bunch of stones because you know, he, he was so in tune with his, with his garment, right? And, and and in a lot of ways that can be sin for us. That we can we can hear the voice of sin so much in our own vehicle, if you will, that we hear nothing more than that. And we give into it. And as absurd it is as sounding like turning into a lake, that's exactly how it is when we hear the voice of sin and we give into it and we do give into it verse 18 for i know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh for i have a desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out Sin is very powerful, and it is at complete odds with our new nature. My flesh has nothing to offer against this. And in reality, this is what he's talking about right here is, you know, if if I am truly only in my flesh, I am going to give in to my sin. And so, even though I have a desire, a new desire put there by God, how do I fight this? It, it, it is only through the, through the Holy Spirit, who is my new master, if you will, that I can actually fight the sin that I deal with on a daily basis. If you think for a minute that I'm going to take and I'm going to whoop on my sin you've got a whole nother thing coming. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit and we need Him on a daily basis, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Because that is how much, at times, I'm being bombarded by my own sinful nature. in my flesh there is absolutely nothing good about me it is only only jesus that keeps me verse 19 for i do not for i do not do the good i want but the evil i do not want is what i keep on doing once again the evil is there it is in the car with us. It is not in complete control of the car, but it is in the car. And maybe even do one up better than the GPS. Um, my mom, when she was learning to drive, I, I remember the story very very vividly. Um, my grandfather was teaching her how to drive. And as they're driving down the road one day, my mom took a... Wrong turn, want to cross the, the, the line or something. I don't remember exactly what happened. But my grandfather, being my grandfather, grabbed the steering wheel and yanked the car. <laughs> and they headed for a ditch. They, they almost wrecked the car because my grandfather yanked that steering wheel. And at times, sin tries to yank the steering wheel from us. It tries to control us, and at times it is overwhelming. Remember, in our flesh, we have a great capacity to do evil. Have you ever asked the question, "Why did I just do that?" And you look back on it, you are like, I, "I, that's not even who I am anymore. I'm in Christ." And yet, and yet, I just, I just acted worse than the, the worst heathen I can think of. The capacity for us to do evil is still there because it's still within us. Verse 20. Now. Now. If I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And it is, this is a persistent reality. And it, it almost sounds like Paul is making an excuse here, and I don't believe he is. But the sin that resides in us, as, we, as we've seen earlier where Paul's talking about this, Sin dwells within me. It occupies certain pockets of me, if you will. It's almost like we're we're in a battle here. There, there's 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 an occupation that we're still here, um, an occupation like behind enemy lines, and you know, it is paramount. It is paramount for us to understand that as we go forward in the Christian life, as we walk out the Christian life. We are going to find that sin, and there's pockets, as we mature, as we mature, we may sin less on the outside, but we're going to be more aware, if you will, of the sin that resides in us. And so, as we walk out this Christian life, even in my own life, as I was, <laughs> as I was getting ready for the sermon on Friday, I uh, I studied most of the day, uh, spent some time with Eric as he's preaching out on the west, uh, on the east side, and uh, comparing notes. And we were talking through the text. And he left, and everybody else left, and I was tired, um, putting in a full day of of, of sermon prep, and um, just about ready to leave. And uh, our offices out there are not the nicest building, but. Thank God he's given us a building for offices. I was not in a thankful heart in the moment. I tried to close the door, and since it got so, so warm, the door was warped. I couldn't lock the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, the door swings in, so there was no way for me to pull the door in so I could do the deadlock. And I didn't have a key for the outside, so I couldn't push the door in. And I got more and more and more frustrated as it went on. And I was trying everything. I was like, okay, well, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And nothing, nothing worked. Now, 20 years ago, the window would have been broke. I, I... So praise God that he, is, he has worked in my life up to this point. But the old man was still there. It was rearing his old head. And he was not a happy camper. And I finally had to tap out and call my wife. So she could come and push on the door so I could. And it was like she was there a minute less. Pushed the door, locked it. Okay, it's done. What an aggravation. You know, and I'm just studying this right here. And I'm like, ah, you know. And here it happens. It rears its ugly head in my own life. It's there with us. Ready to ready to show itself. Sin is definitely still in the car with us. In this, in this conflict, in this struggle, there seems to be a, a, a civil war, an eternal civil war, if you will. And I said earlier, there's a flesh, our flesh, our sinful nature, versus our old nature, or our new nature, sorry. Sinful nature, old nature, versus our new nature in Christ. 21 through 23. So I find it to be a law, a principle, if you will, that when I want to do right... Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members' body another law raging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. We're at war. We are at war. You know, um, the Bible identifies a lot of our enemies. And we expound on those enemies a lot. And it's good to identify our enemies. We we talk about the the world, if you will, right? The the system at play, the corruption that we see, the the principalities at work, um, the spiritual warfare. There's no doubt that that is is a reality of the Christian life. We are at war with those things. We're, We're at war with Satan himself. Satan hates us. And that is, that is an enemy of ours. But I'm going to tell you what, the number one enemy of the Christian, of the believer, is ourselves, is our flesh, our sin that we are fighting against day after day after day. And if we don't understand that, if we don't identify that, we're going to, we're going to be a very either delusional Christian or a very frustrated Christian. We have to go to war with our own selves. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily. Following Jesus. Trusting in the Holy Spirit. Feeding the Holy Spirit rather than my flesh to win this civil war that is abounding in us. And even when we do all those things, we're still going to struggle with this sin. And this is is where Paul takes us. He goes, 24, what a wretched man am I. And I think he just kind of sits here for a little bit. He realizes how bad he is. What a wretched man am I. Who will deliver me? Who will set me free? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Who will rescue me from my own sin? That I am constantly, on a regular basis, persistently struggling against Who will deliver me? And then we get to 25. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And once again, everything we talk to you about this point it is a part of the Christian life. There's no doubt about it. But if we don't come to 25, Five, and understand that it's all about Jesus. If this is, 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 is the answer to what we're struggling with here, what Paul's struggling with. See, Jesus isn't just for the lost. And it's not just an entry level into his kingdom. It is for all of us that have called on his name and have put put our trust in him the gospel is for us as we walk out our daily lives the good news that grace and mercy are being poured out into my life on a daily basis that I have to come to the cross every single second of my life understanding that there's absolutely nothing in my flesh that is good. We look, we look at, um, earlier we've, we've talked about justification. Right? And, and justification, it deals with sin. It deals with the penalty of sin. Praise God for that. I am declared righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. As we walk this world, in this world as believers, as somebody that's been justified, we we have this other term called sanctification. It's just basically walking out this Christian life. But sanctification, as, as God is refining me and making me more like Jesus in this world... He is dealing with the power of sin in my life. There's something we have beyond that that we can look forward to, and that, that's another theological term, if you will. It's glorification. And that is when sin is going to be eradicated in my life. That the presence of sin that we're dealing with right now in this world with what Paul is talking about here The presence of sin will be eradicated. It'll be done away with. And I will have a perfect body. But why is it going to be perfect? Because it's going to be sinless. And I will be able to be with Jesus for eternity because of that. That is something we can look forward to. But as we are living this world... And as God is refining us, as we are struggling against the sin itself that we, we have in different crevices of us, we have to continue to trust Jesus that he is working it out and that he is the one that is doing it in us. Uh, Nate, you and the worship team can come on up. So, a few takeaways. First and foremost, we we can't be afraid to be honest and to cry out to the Lord that we struggle, (laughs) that we are wretched people. I don't know if that's right terminology. Wretched people. That we are people that need Jesus When was the last time that we we did that When was the last time we fall, fell on our face and asked God to come help us because of how wretched I am Another takeaway giving thanks to the Lord for what he will do, not just what he has done already. It's good to look back. It's good to look at the cross. Absolutely, that's the starting point. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. But just as we have to look forward to his promises of, of sanctification as, he, as he's refining us, as he's, he's making us more like his own here, Are we, are we able to do that? Are we able to thank the, thank the Lord for what is to come? Are we taking him at his word to understand that we are going to be like Jesus one day without sin? And as, as we are going through this process, I just talked to a gentleman this week. And he lived a rough life. But he really encouraged my heart because he said, God has a process for me, and I don't want to rush it. I just want to take it every step of the way. So many times we want to rush the process. But, you know, I I see what God has done in my life 20 plus years ago to now. And I have to trust that he is going to continue to do that work in me. And that he's going to continue to refine me. And that He is going to make me more like His own till He takes me home and I will have a glorified body, a perfect body. One other takeaway. We need to let the gospel define us. We need to let our justification define us. The fact that we are declared righteous before God define us rather than what we are struggling with currently don't let the struggle define you let Jesus define you once again trust, trust Jesus he who started a good work in you will finish it and will complete it that is a promise the Bible has for us and we need to take that at its full word let's pray Father God we, we thank you so much for all the many blessings you've given us we thank you that you are so amazingly good to us even in the midst of us struggling we realize we need you more than anything and so right now we we just pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to lead us and guide us fall fresh on us once again we we um, We are in awe how much you love us in spite of us. We thank you and we love you. In your name I pray, amen.